Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. So, I was asked a very cool question. Why did we do an all-night prayer meeting? And I was like, good question, bro. <laughs> I blame Erin Beerbaum. I think she came up with the idea. <laughs> no, I have an answer. Number one, it's a long story. When my wife and I became pastors here, we had been prophesied over by Joel Stocksteel in Washington, D.C. that we would become pastors. The terminology was that you will become lead pastors. You've asked the Lord for a second position or second tier the Lord says, because of that, I will give you a first-tier position. And so we came here. We were we brought in as pastors in March of 2015. And supernatural, but it was, a, it was a crazy journey. It was a hard journey, for sure. If you didn't know the Lord brought you, you we would have quit. I'll just tell you that. And maybe we should. No, we shouldn't have. <laughs> Thank God we didn't. Amen, really. And so we stuck it out, and the Lord breathed upon this place, and he gets all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory for that, because he is the one building the place. And um, it's funny, because I was, like, driving down the road one day, three years after being here, and I was complaining to the Lord, you know, and saying, I, and which you've never done that, but I do it. And I was like, I, I didn't want to be a senior pastor. I didn't want to be the number one. And the Lord was like, Caleb, you're not. I'm the lead. I'm the number one. And I was like so happy. I was in the car just rejoicing, saying, I'm number two. I'm number two. So listen, I come to church, and I was so excited to give the revelation, and everybody's laughing at me as I'm telling them I'm number two. And then at like halfway through, I realized, oh, number two has a dual meaning here. So, I mean, poop jokes aren't my favorite people. But they're a solid number two. <laughs> uh, <gadoosh>. uh. So, <laughs> I'm not number one, I'm number two. Say it out loud. <laughs> That was the most ununified number two I've ever heard in my life. People were like, I ain't saying that. So anyways, great revelation. And the Lord is the head of this house for sure. And uh, he'll always be the head of the house. And um, so in the midst of that, we're traveling along. We're, we're, we're preaching here. We're building this church. And then we went and visited a camp meeting. When, uh, and, uh, which this week is Ministers and Leaders Conference in, in Tampa, Florida with Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. Starts this morning, runs all the way to next Sunday, 10 a.m., 7 p.m. I recommend drive through sometime. You know, plan on staying late because the meetings will go till about 1 o'clock in the morning. You'll get home at 3 a.m. and you'll feel refreshed. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You will. And powerful meeting. But I was in the meetings when Russell Evans from Planet Shakers was speaking. He was giving his testimony of how he ran around the building. And the Lord said, because of your faithfulness to run around the building, I will send planet shakers around the world, which the Lord has done that. At that time, planet shakers was not known. It was just a church in Australia. Of course, now they're a global name for 
praise and worship and stuff like that and, uh, and the move of God. But when he said that, the Spirit of God spoke to me loudly. As loud as you hear my voice, it was spoken to me. And I heard the Lord say, first comes the oil, then comes the fire. And so I, I, I grabbed the word of the Lord. I wrote it down in my phone. I meditated on it. And the first thing that really the Lord gave me on it is the Bible speaks of the oil of joy. Amen. Amen. He gives you the oil of joy for mourning. And so I, I thought about that and realized what the Lord was saying is before he sends us fire upon your life to launch you out and send you to do something, he wants you to first be joyful because God does not want to send a depressed person out into the world. Amen. Depression does not break chains off of people. If you're dealing with depression, know this, that is not God's plan for your life. He wants to break that totally free from your life so that you are a joyous person, bubbling forth with the glory and the wonder of God. He can give it to you because he's given it to others. Amen. God does not give depression to people to teach you a lesson or to make you somber. This world, they think somberness and seriousness shows a great sign of maturity in the body of Christ. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. The most mature believers are the ones that laugh all the time. Amen. So that's why this church is so mature. And um, 41, 42... 63, he's trying to count, so I threw him off, 19, 18, hey, when you don't give me a night of rest, you don't know what you're going to get, I'm naturally sarcastic, I get very sarcastic when I don't sleep, and so then I go with the word of the Lord, I'm thinking about that. And I go to the Louisiana outpouring, and Dr. David Remedios, a good man, a man of God, an awesome friend of ours, and in the meetings it was glorious, the power of God's falling, and we get prayed over, we hit the ground, and then they jerk us back up, and a pastor runs from across the stage, puts his hands on me again, and he says exactly that, first comes the oil, then comes the fire. The exact words the Lord had given to me several months previous in, a pre, in another meeting, which now you're, natural, you're, you're, you're listening because there's no way they know what the Lord told you. And so he says to me, he says, the oil is a structure that God will give you that will help you build the ministry. The fire will be the revival that comes after you get the structure right. And so I was like, I've always chewed on that. This is years ago this happened. Years and years ago. So I called an all-night prayer meeting because we're growing exponentially right now. This is our second service. The first service, I think, might have even been fuller than this service. So we are where we're at, and we're asking the Lord for the next step forward, which the Lord gave us everything to go up till now. So he'll give us the next step. But as you grow, your number one concern is we don't want to just grow in large in numbers, but we want to grow our people so that we are a people that is strong. Amen. There's no point in having 10,000 weak believers that get tossed around by everything that the enemy comes. If, if 2020 showed you that, some mega churches are nothing now because they, did, they weren't stable. Let me tell you something. The enemy has a plan to rob, kill, steal, and destroy. He's a wicked being, and he uses people, and he uses governments, and he uses any person that would yield themselves to hell's plan to break the back of people. But we as children of God can look the enemy in the eye and say, not today, Satan. Amen. You can huff, you can puff, but you can't bring this body down. 
Because what is in me is greater than what is in this world. I got the Holy Ghost, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead 2,000 years ago, dwells on the inside of me. He beat you then, he'll beat you today. He's with me, he's for me, he's throughout me. I'm filled with something better than this world has to offer. And so we called the online prayer meeting and we are structuring and we're working on a structure that we feel we're going to roll out to just adequately, as we grow, to try and meet the needs of the growing church to ensure that people are being discipled, people are being cared for, people are maturing in their walk with the Lord. Amen. In a spirit-filled church, there are many questions that arise. Why do people fall down? Psalm 23, they fall down because he makes them lie down in green pastures. Amen. Oh, it is in the Bible. It is totally in the Bible. I promise you. Everywhere the glory of God shows up. When they came to arrest Jesus, they said, we're looking for Jesus. He said, I am he, and they all fell down as dead men. Because the glory of God is real. It's not a fabrication made up by a preacher trying to get an offering. It's the glory of God. It is real. It changes things. It changes your life. When you encounter God, you know you encounter God. I mean, you're like, something heavenly took place. And that's what we stand for here. A place where the Spirit of God is free to move. The Bible says, do not quench Him. Do not stifle Him. And um, so we don't do that around here. We let the Holy Ghost have His way. So we were praying particularly about that, that God would give me an insight of how to do that. As we prayed all night, and that's probably going to be the flow of the service, and I'm just speaking from my heart. Um, as we prayed all night, over and over, the Holy Spirit had me keep saying that God was putting upon us a spiritual stamina, a spiritual stamina to, to, to hold something, to carry something that we need to carry. And last year, when everything broke out, um, before we were able to blow this place out, we went into extended meetings with our dear friend, Charlie Champ. How many people came during those meetings last August? It was glorious. People, we still have, we still have that walker of the lady that got healed. We use it and try and we, we run around the, the sanctuary with it. It's pretty fun. We try and race, hit the brakes, turn. I mean, we're, we're believing for more miracles like that so we can have two or three so we could race. You know what I'm saying? Because we're not going to go buy one, but when it gets left here, oh yeah, baby. Crutches start arriving. We're going to learn how to walk with just crutches. What else do you do with these things, right? They're a testimony of the Lord healed somebody, and then you can also zip down the aisle with them and flip. And, and uh, it was glorious. It was awesome. Two weeks in, we were exhausted. Well, I mean, ours, we were just tired, and that's when we knew we can't, contain, we can't continue anymore because we're actually physically drained and exhausted. And so I knew at that time that the Lord was calling us. We had to prepare ourselves to have a greater spiritual stamina. Amen. There's a difference from, from flowing and you taking it all from your flesh and then learning how to tap into the spirit that gives a refreshing to do things greater than your physical body can contain. The Bible says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. When Jesus called the apostles to pray through the night, they kept falling asleep. And Jesus came back frustrated. Can't you pray with me through the night? And that's where it came from. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen. So we got to become a spiritual high endurance marathon running church amen. amen 
We got to be able to carry something, be a people saturated with the presence of the Lord so that what we carry can influence and shake this greater region around us. I do believe that God is calling this place to be a lighthouse and a place of revival that will spread to across this state and into the nation of America. I believe it. I've studied great revivals, every great revival from Brownsville, Dr. Rodney in the 90s, um, Azusa Street, Hebrides Revival, Topeka, Kansas, outpouring, the Welsh Revival were all all marked with a group of people so hungry for the presence of the Lord that they came night in after night, night after night, day after day into the glory of God and the power of God spread like wildfire from the place. Think about it, guys. You say, what's the blueprint of heaven shaking earth? The blueprint of heaven shaking earth is raising up a people that are more heavenly minded than earthly minded. That understand the glory of God is the only thing that changes a nation in a day. And we are people called to be carriers of that presence. So God needs hunger in you. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Do you want his presence? Amen. So we prayed through that for the night. And I believe we're going to do more of this to equip ourselves spiritually with a stamina to stand for the long run for the things of God. Amen. That no matter what we know, we have been through it. Last year when all hell broke loose, um, March whatever, 15th, when President Trump at that time said, we're going to do 15 days to slow the spread, I felt grieved in my spirit the moment I saw that broadcast. And I liked President Trump, but I knew this is not right. This is something that is from hell. I knew it. And I felt it in my spirit. I knew there was an agitation. I went into constant prayer before the Lord, praying, Lord, give me direction. I mean, for one, as a leader in that hour, my gosh, you had to hear the word of the Lord every day because you were hearing a lot of other words every day. So you needed to hear the word of the Lord to even move forward and have clarity of what to do. And thank God that he led us through that and people, you know, I mean, I, we, we were praying against the virus from day one. No, nobody in the river will die. Nobody, no, nobody. We were like just speaking it out. Like we declare health over this place, health over everybody. I don't care if they get it seven times, it ain't break, it ain't killing them. If they die, they're in disobedience. Amen. <laughs> and so then we'll come and just yell at them. We told you not to die. Rise up so we can smack you one. Sometimes you got to get, you know, old grandma on them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> old grandma don't pull no punches. A spirit-filled grandma will tell you like it is. Boy, you better listen. So we were doing that, binding, praying, everything for it. And the Lord said to me at the start of it, he said, this thing can go two, two different ways. And I heard it by the Spirit of God. And he said, it depends on what my people do. It depends on what my people do. Do you want to know why hell broke loose and is still breaking loose? Because if the church shuts down, then there is not a force on the earth that is equipped to stand against the powers of darkness. A police force does its job to respond to crime, but the church is the only power that has the power to stop wickedness in its tracks, to stand and take ground. Everywhere the sole of our foot treads, the Lord has given it unto us. We are not called to let darkness go unchecked. We are called to see where darkness wants to rear its head and show up with the light of the gospel, the power of the Holy Ghost, a wave of His Spirit, a wave of His healing, and take back ground in every generation. And I believe that we are that type of church. 
The kingdom of heaven suffereth violent, but the violent take it by force. Ah, So you got to rise up. It's an hour to not let the enemy just do what he wants to do. He's pumping lies. He's pumping all sorts of stuff into this generation. And that's why last week I spoke about proclamation. It's not just preaching the gospel, which is eternal truth. But the church's job is to stand for the truth of what is happening. Declare the truth because the truth has the power to set people free. So we, we endured all the slander. We endured everything that you could endure. And we don't care about that because we're not trying to win the approval of men. And I know that you are of that bre- uh, uh, leaning too because you've stuck it out. And I've said a lot of things. And I'm like, man, they still come. <laughs> it's a miracle. I mean, it's a total miracle that people show back up here every Sunday. I'm like, I didn't, I'd get, wow. <laughs> Was not expecting that. But just to put things in perspective, there is a real assignment to destroy America. There is a plan to break the back of America because if America will fall, then there is not a global force that can stand against the global movement. The global movement is real. It is in the word of God. It declares that there will be a one world government, a Luciferian structure from the pits of hell that will destroy people's lives. And I've been spoken to, why do you, as a believer, stand against it when you know that it is in the Bible? Because in the Bible it speaks that that is the plan of hell to do that. My job as a child of light is to stand against the power of hell each and every single day. I'll always stand. If i got to stand alone, I'll stand alone. But if you'll stand with me, where two or more are gathered, it shall be done, says the Word of God. So will you stand? It takes a spiritual stamina. It takes a Holy Ghost backbone to stand against hell and say, no, 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 no. You can't have my life. You can't have my kids' life. You can't have this nation. You can't have your way. You will not confuse this young generation. You will not spread your propaganda. You will not speak these lies. You will not get away with this wickedness. We stand in the gap. We stand in the gap. We say by the power of the anointed one, you will not accomplish your maneuvers. You won't. You won't. Where you want to divide, we will see healing. Where you want to bring death, we will see resurrection. Where you want to bring bondage, we will see freedom. We declare it, we will say it till the roof, till the whole world knows. That's what we stand for. And I believe there's something in that that God is looking for for his bride to have a fire in her gut and say, man, that is not what my Father in heaven has told me to accept. I'll stand against wickedness every second of every day. And if it lands me in front of a firing squad, at least I got bragging rights in heaven. Because some people went quietly in their sleep. I'll go out with my boots on. Amen. I even wore boots today on purpose just for that moment. It's two ways you can feel right now. Nervous and scared or very excited. And it depends on who you're listening to. If you're listening to the voice of the world, you'd be nervous and you'd be worried. But if you listen to the Spirit, you're like, mm-hmm, ooh, 
Ooh, it's about to get heavenly up in this nation. There's about to be an outpouring of the glory of God that is going to shake this land like we've never seen. Azusa Street has happened in the past, but what God is going to do, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, even half of what God has in store. This generation will usher in the coming of the King. This generation will see a third great awakening. This generation will see it. I believe it. Hallelujah. It's the finest hour to be a born-again believer. It's the best hour to be filled with the Spirit. It's Pentecost Sunday, but it's always Pentecost Sunday in my house. Come on. It's not a one-time historical event that happened 2,000 years ago. Each and every day when I open my mouth and I begin to pray in tongues, the Spirit of God flows through me, life flows through me, rivers of living water come out. And the Lord is using his bride to turn back the tide of darkness. No army can do it. No government can do it. But the church of Jesus Christ can do it. So that's our job. So why do we pray all night? We pray all night because we know it has an effect. We pray in all night because we're building within ourselves a spiritual stamina to stand against the tide of darkness that is trying to encroach upon this land. We stand because we know we have exhausted everything in the natural. I vote it. What, what good did the vote do? Because you can get angry at this, but Joe Biden did not win the election. You could have voted for him. It's not a political matter. It's the truth, and the truth matters. Because if he didn't win and he is allowed to perpetrate this lie, not him, but the people behind him, because poor Biden doesn't actually know where he is. And it is sad. I actually pray for the guy because I'm like, this is not even right what they're doing to this man right now. He doesn't know where he's at half the time. And so you look at that. Someone says, does that matter? You're talking politics. It matters because if it goes unchecked, so goes America. So you have to listen. Listen to me. You have to build in yourself right now a reserve that says, even if America falls tomorrow, if they call us, as we said in the first of Conexico, come tomorrow. America has gone away with the wind, and now we're lower Canada, upper Mexico, Conexico, whatever they want to call us. You have to have something on the inside of you where your identity is not attached to the stars and stripes, but through the blood of Jesus and the stripes upon his back. You have to have something that stands on the inside of you to say, I don't care. I still belong to the resurrected king. I still belong to the resurrected king. My identity is not an American. I am a Hevekin living within the United States of America. But where I am, where I tread, no thing in this world can tread because I walk in the steps of the Almighty. He leads me forward. His hand is upon my household. A thousand can fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand. But it ain't going to come near me in the name of Jesus Christ. It's real. It's real. The kingdom of heaven is real. It's real. It's real. Man, you got to get that resolve on the inside of you. You got to sit your kids down and say, if they ever come and try and take us away and tell us to deny Christ, you will never deny Christ. Because whatever they're able to do to this body doesn't matter. This body is a temple. It's like a tent you prop up in the backyard. You can burn it. You can tear it down. But it doesn't matter because I am not in that tent. I'm shooting out into glory. And you are too. So do your worst, world. But we will not crumble and we will not go quietly into the night. We're a child of fire.
fire. Say, what is the fire of God? This is it. Makes you bold as a lion. Meek people get bold when they encounter the fire of God. And you say, man, you're just trying to sound cool. I'm not. I'm telling you it's serious right now. So we pray all night because we realize the bride has to awaken. This thing can guilt still go one of two different ways. But I am leaning on the side of may it be the precursor of the greatest revival that has ever come. I choose that and I'll give my whole life to that. And you can come with me or you can turn and say, Pastor Caleb's lost his ever loving mind. Doesn't matter. My dog loves me. He thinks of the world of me. So you can turn your back on me, but he comes to me every day and I still feed him. He sits in my lap and makes sure I don't even get a chance to drink coffee before he tells me how much he loves me. So I am loved. Dog backwards is God. Brought that revelation, didn't I? <laughs> you had to learn to persevere. We've been going through the book of Acts. Every single chapter, people were healed, people were saved, people get filled with the Holy Ghost, and every single chapter, they are met by opposition. It's a historical fact that the move of God has always and will always have opposition to it. But just because there's opposition does not mean that it will not proceed forward. Just means all the more God is saying, stir yourself. Rouse yourself to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Do your part and don't crumble and the Lord will have his way in this generation. Amen? Amen? We've been standing for it. So we pressed through the night to persevere. And thank you for everyone that persevered. To have 50 people pray through the night in a church this size, I was in awe. I thought, my gosh. And I could tell. Actually, if we had called a prayer meeting from like 7 to 9 p.m., we'd have probably had like 10 people. But because we gave the challenge all night long, I saw people come in here with like war paint on. They were like, <laughs> it was like an, un, an unspoken challenge. They were like, people had like camelbacks on their backpack, you know. They were like, <laughs> people pull, Sam pulled out a backpack with snacks for an army. I saw people shopping over on this side of the, it was like an exchange of money. He probably cleaned up right there. He saw it as an opportunity to make a quick hundred bucks, you know. People buying blueberries and energy drinks. And <laughs> you know why that is? Because you like a challenge. You know why you like a challenge? Because you are made in your father's image who is more than a conqueror. So there's something about when a child of God gets that resistance, you actually like that. You're like, mmm, ooh, okay. All right. All right. I know what to do. And then you push past it. And what happens? Breakthrough happens. Great things happen. As we prayed all night, the Lord also gave me this. I was praying, actually, with, with my wife around the 2, 2.30 hour or whatever. And it came out of my spirit that the Lord spoke to Joshua when he was calling the children of, of the Lord, the chosen people, into the promised land. And he said, go and tell the people to purify themselves. 
and consecrate themselves unto the Lord. For tomorrow I'm sending you into the promised land. So what had been denied a previous generation, God was sending them into at that hour. But the word of the Lord was purify and consecrate yourselves to go where I want to take you. I believe that something is stirring in the body of Christ. 2020 did a great job of showing forth the hearts of people. And so the, there were people that leaned. They didn't know how much they were leaning with God. They fell face first at the foot of Jesus, and they came on fire. There are people that drifted off last year, and they're still being awakened right now. I was working out just the other day. A man came up to me. He's talking to me. He, he knew me. Long story short, came to this church in 2015, got paralyzed from surgery. We went to the hospital, prayed for him. God supernaturally brought his whole mobility back. He bench presses 300 pounds now. He was paralyzed from the waist up, which was a, a medical anomaly. It doesn't ever happen. But through the surgery of being face down on the sternum, it paralyzed him from the waist up. But he also couldn't even feel his legs when I prayed for him. So he starts talking to me. He's just a precious guy. Maybe one day he'll come here. And he says, man, last year, Pastor Caleb, despite everything the Lord did to me, I drifted away. I grew, drew complacent. I lost my walk with the Lord. He said, it just, everything it was just shut down. And so he's like, I didn't have it. So I drifted away from the Lord, he said, but then I woke I, I, along the way. I started looking at my life, and I remembered he healed me from being paralyzed. He's still alive today, and he's like, I, I realize i got to get back on fire for the Lord. So he says, I'm going back to a, a Brazilian Holy Ghost church in Orlando, and I'm stirring myself back up. you got to keep enough oil in the lamp, people. Amen. 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 That's why we come together, because I could, I could literally backslide. As a preacher, if I just stop staying in the Word, stop praying, stop gathering around the people of God, it's not, it's not like, oh, you're called so you'll never fall. Anybody in here can slip away if you don't do the job to keep yourself stirred up. Amen. So you keep yourself stirred up. You realize when your attitude starts arising and depression and all these things, you're like, i got to get myself right. This ain't what I'm supposed to live like. And you go back to the Lord and then, boom, something happens. Revival happens. That's what it is. You fall back in love with Jesus and things are bright and wonderful again. And you're like, this is the hour where I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Amen. So we're purifying ourselves. We're leaning into the things of God. And we are believing that the Lord is going to start something from here that will shake the state of Florida and beyond. Who believes that the Lord has called us to that? Okay, thank you for that. That blesses me to see that you guys are with me and that I'm not just a preacher just thinking things. I really do feel that the Lord called us to be a place where revival could spread to shake the greater region around us and beyond. And so we have to be a people that prepare ourselves to be carriers of the presence of the Lord and have a spiritual stamina to run the race set before us. Come on. So pray hard. Fast sometimes, not all the time, because food is also good. <laughs> but follow the Lord. We've been in a series on the book of Acts called A Time to Act. And uh, obviously this is Pentecost Sunday, but we, we believe in the Holy Ghost all the time. But we're gonna, I'm going to pray for people that need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit or need a fresh infilling today because God is in the business of constantly feeling. Amen. See, I feel like I'm drained. God will refresh you today, and you will overflow once more. We finished last time in Acts chapter 16. To shoot through Acts 17 and 18, just basically what you read is, follows Paul's ministry as it progresses, 
Everywhere he goes, people are saved, people are healed, resistance is found, people push against him, things come up, and ultimately he's led by the Spirit of God to Acts chapter 19, where he stands in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus, to me, I believe, was, was absolutely in the divine call for Paul's life, and the Lord really wanted Paul to shake this city, and he did, in fact, shake it. In two years and three months, the whole city was turned around. Great and glorious things happened. I'm believing for that. When the Lord called us to this city, uh, a preacher was telling me, you can't pastor a city. And I said, amen. You can't pastor a city. I knew what he was saying. That takes many, many churches and stuff. And, and I love all the body of Christ. I love churches. You, those that come here, I don't talk bad about churches. I love them. I bless them. We prayed over churches in the all-night prayer meeting. But as I said that, I said, amen. The Holy Spirit rebuked me. And he was like, Caleb. What is Ephesians? I said, it's a letter written to the Ephesian, you know, city of Ephesus church. Corinthians, city written, a letter written to the church of Corinth. Um, and so Philipp, Philippians, Philippi. And I realized what the Lord was saying that ultimately the call of God to a city is not just to a church group of people. It's actually to influence the city. Amen. Amen. There's a call from God. God was never in the business of let me give you property and you build a great social club that sits there. You got to reach out. Plus, look at the people that are here. We're all diverse. Think about how many realms of influence combined that we have. There are business owners in here. There are teachers in here. There are um, uh, politicians possibly in here. There's all different walks of life within this building. And we're called to influence the greater community around us in whatever way that we can. That's why the Lord gives you a call, puts His Spirit within you to influence things around us. We need a city that is a city open to the presence of the Lord. Yes. Amen. Because if the presence of the Lord is welcome from city leadership, then the blossoming of God's Spirit is upon the land, and we become a place that is prosperous, that is peaceful, that wonderful things happen. Amen. And so the Lord said, I've called you to become the church of the city. That's a major call. How do we do that? Number one, you have to raise people up that are full of His presence, that know who they are in Christ, that get the job done. And you are those people. Amen? And so Paul walks into Ephesus, Acts 19, verse 1 through 7. It says, when Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. That's awesome. Now what happened here is Paul walks into a city, there's 12 people, they loved Jesus, but they hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit, and the very first thing Paul does is, are you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Think about that. William Booth said, oh, let me read it because it's, it's a good quote, William Booth, the founder of the, of the um, Salvation Army said, the chief danger that confronts the coming century, which is us, will be religion without the Holy Ghost. Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. 
And so you remove the power of God from the church. I'm telling you, all you have is Dr. Fields counseling people to have a great life. You have to have the power of God in the church of Jesus Christ. He's the one that makes you cry. He's the one that makes you laugh. He's the one that pierces your heart with conviction to change things in your life. He's the one that builds things on the inside of you. You have to have the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. Without the Holy Ghost, you're an empty vessel. With the Holy Ghost, you're a filled vessel with the fullness of God on the inside. The first thing Paul does when he walks into Ephesus and asks the question, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, the greatest question to this generation and why we got to where we are is the debate of, do you need the Holy Spirit to be saved? And so people are like, look, you don't need the Holy Spirit. You, you, we, just, we appreciate salvation. Jesus will leave the weird stuff, the tongues, the fire, all of that, and we'll just go to heaven one day. The problem with that revelation is this. Salvation was the beginning of your relationship with Christ and not the end game. People treat salvation like that's the final frontier. Salvation is your wedding day with Jesus Christ, but now you have a marriage to walk out. If I married my wife and then stopped seeing her from that day forward and never spent any moment with her, then that is not a true marriage. There's no relationship there. Salvation was the beginning of what Christ had. It was the open door to make you a, someone that could house the Spirit of God. Salvation washed you, gave you a brand new temple, so that now you become a carrier of God's Spirit and His presence. As His Word declares, I will never lo no longer dwell in a temple made by hand, men's hands, but in you, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So you don't need to be baptized speaking in tongues to be saved. You don't need to be baptized speaking in tongues to go to heaven. But you need to be baptized speaking in tongues to bring heaven to earth. And you have been called to bring heaven to earth. Jesus said to his disciples, how do we pray? That thou will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's plan has always been, may heaven infect this earth or, or encounter this earth even now while we're still on it. Become a carrier of God's spirit so that you carry something greater than this world. Where greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. The Holy Spirit came to give you a brand new language. A language what the Bible says speaks the mysteries of God. Where you pray the perfect will of Christ over your life. You say, I don't know. My mind is unfruitful when I pray in tongues. Your mind is unfruitful, but your spirit is electrifying itself in the glory of God. The Bible says, as many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. If you're led by the flesh, if you're led by the soul, you're not being led by the spirit. And thus you are not a son of God. And thus you will be led into all the works of the flesh. And then you'll be a weak church, always battling depression and addiction and pain. But if you get a hold of the Holy Ghost, there's something that comes upon this flesh that is greater than this world where an anointing and a baptism from Jesus Christ fills you with a divine power to live righteous in a fallen land and to carry holiness upon your life you can't do it on your own you can't transform yourself you can't educate yourself to a higher level it's by letting the Holy Spirit get on the inside of you the Holy Ghost can take a, a, a high school dropout and turn them into a preacher that can orate the Word of God with grace and purity. The Holy Spirit can take a former drug addict and turn them into a street evangelist that breaks chains off of people. The, the Holy Spirit can take a con 
convict, a murderer, and turn them into a pastor. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that does the job. Paul knew it. When he showed up in Ephesus, he didn't say, do you have small groups established? Do you have a building picked out? Do you have a name? Do you have a logo? Do you have a mission statement? Do you have your three-part sermon? He said, do you have the Holy Ghost? Because if you don't have the Holy Ghost, that's the first thing we're going to get right. You close your eyes, you lift your hands, and you get ready to receive something that Christ came to give every man. Hallelujah! I feel fire in this place. In the last day, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon flesh. We're in the last days, and we are rapidly approaching the last day. How much more does this generation need what Peter's generation got? A baptism of fire in the Holy Ghost. You say, I've felt it before, but it's leaked out. Praise God. He'll pour out afresh. Take Peter. Here's Peter, a fisherman. Followed Christ, saw miracles. He was present the day Jesus was baptized in the river and heard the Spirit or the Father above say, This is my Son and whom I'm well pleased. He caught a fish full of a gold coin that paid his taxes. I want that in my life. <laughs> Amen. Taxes are coming up. Who's taking me fishing? Come on, people. We're going to catch bass till one of them comes and poops out a Bitcoin. <laughs> take Peter Peter denied Christ three times you know why he denied Christ because he was embarrassed because he felt threatened because he didn't feel strong enough because he wasn't certain what, the, what would happen to him if he admitted Christ all the things that come upon you when people you're around mock God or make fun of God or you, you don't feel your testimony strong enough or you don't feel that you have what it takes and you don't lead them to the Lord because you feel inadequate to do that well, that's what happened to Peter after walking with the Lord he still felt inadequate and he denied Christ he was ashamed and then Jesus came back from the dead stood before Peter and he asked him three times do you love me yeah I love you do you love me yeah, I love you, which we all understand the phileo agape translation of that where Jesus was saying, do you agape me? Do you truly love me? Peter's like, man, you my bro. <laughs> Dog. Sup. And then ultimately he's like, yes, I love you. And then the Lord said three times to him, then feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. What happened on the day of Pentecost was the very man that was ashamed to accept Christ in front of a crowd that was against him, was so touched by the power of God that he boldly stood up in front of a crowd of 3,000 from every tribe and every tongue, and he says, you can mock us and call us drunk, but we're not drunk as you suppose. That this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. That this is the outpouring of God's Spirit. That if you would repent right now for the sin in your life, turn from your wicked ways and give your heart to Christ, that he would come on the inside of you. And the Bible says that day the first sermon preached by the New Covenant Church, 3,000 people were born again and saved in that moment. The, the, the church did not start with a campaign of soft church launches. It didn't come with interest meetings. 
And I'm not trying to knock the way we do it. I, I get it. I get it. But I'm just saying, if you take the power of God out and you just try and do something that doesn't offend someone. Listen, everything you do will offend someone. So be conscious of the fact that the only one you never want to offend is the Spirit of God. You treat him with honor. You treat him with respect. He is the esteemed guest at every single meeting. And what he wants is what matters. If he wants you on your face, you get on your face. If you're like William Seymour and he says, put a bucket on your head, you put that bucket on your head, son. Come on. You do what the Holy Ghost says and you'll get the fruit of the Holy Ghost. If you do what man says, you will never change a single heart because they don't know what they're carrying and they don't know what's holding them back. But the Spirit of God pierces through the flesh and the soul and gets right to the spirit of man. And it brings him up out of obscurity and out of death and brings a brand new life to him. It's the time for the Holy Ghost. I feel like this end time move of God will be a moving of a resurgence of the mass baptisms of the Holy Ghost coming on the body of Christ. I sat with Billy Graham's son-in-law years ago. Great man. His name is Dr. Jim Wright. Mass crusade evangelist himself. He says, oh, I'm not nothing like my father-in-law. I've only led like two million people to the Lord in crusades. Yeah, that's shameful. I wouldn't say that too loud, Dr. Jim Wright. And he was serious, humble man, because his father-in-law spoke to over a billion people. And he said, years ago I was in a country, and he said, I gave an altar call. And he says, I just gave a call for them to receive Christ. People came forward in this mass crusade, and they began to ask Jesus into their heart. And he said, suddenly a sound erupted across the field. He said it was like a rushing wind. He said it was like a noise, it was just a noise of just murmuring and just it grew and it grew and it grew. And he just looked and realized people were just being baptized in the Holy Ghost. It was a sound of revival, but he said, I never even led them to the Holy Ghost. I never even said Jesus will baptize you. He said, all I did was lead them to Jesus and Jesus was the one that did it. Come on, somebody grab a hold of this. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he called his church to be a bride filled with his spirit so that you're knit together with the almighty hallelujah you know what happens though you know why the church backs off of these things is because acts 19 9 through 10 paul knew what had to happen reading in the amplified it says but when he did some became more and more stubborn hardened and unbelieving discrediting and reviling and speaking evil of the way of the lord before the congregation i'm reading in the amplified he separated himself from them and taking the disciples with him, he went on holding daily discussions in the lecture room of Tyrannus from about 10 o'clock till 3 p.m. It's a long church service, isn't it? People say we have long church services. Imagine 10 to 3. Boy, I'm not getting a lot of response. I think people are like, <laughs> people are like, I move on. I move on. I'm already hungry, Pastor Caleb. This can, if we did 10 to 3, we'd have to take a snack break, wouldn't we? Sam would have his concession sand open over here. <laughs> Sam's goodie bags. <laughs> you got any of them hot pockets, bro? <laughs> Meatball sandwich. This continued for two years so that all the inhabitants of the province of Asia, Jews as well as Greeks, heard the word of the Lord concerning the attainment, att attainment through Christ of eternal salvation. In the kingdom of God. So, 
A while back, the Lord spoke to me in prayer and said, the cure for unbelief is not prayer and fasting. And I was meditating at that time on the whole scripture, and I think it's Matthew 13, of the exchange where the young demoniac boy couldn't get free of the devil. And, and Jesus said, you faithless, perverse generation, this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. And then he gets the boy free. And I was thinking to myself, prayer and fasting cures doubt and unbelief, you know. Because the Bible says where he was in his own hometown, he couldn't do a great work. So Jesus just went about preaching the word, the Bible says, because the word breaks down. It's like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. But the Holy Spirit said to me, and he said, Caleb, the cure for, for unbelief and doubt is not prayer and fasting. It was humility because the father humbled himself and came before the Lord and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Yeah. And he said, because of his humility, Christ healed his boy. Right. What happened with Paul, why, why there's always been an opposition to the move of God is because of the pride in men's hearts. Pride is the most undealt with sin going on in the body of Christ today. It leads to all wickedness. And you have to learn to humble yourself. Pride lets you, pride will keep you bound to the opinions of people because you want to be someone in, their, in that crowd. But Christ will take you and remove the desire to even care and stand out in front of people so that you stand with Him. The greatest sin going on in the body of Christ is that we have allowed pride to keep us from the presence of the Lord. Because we would rather be respected among men than be bowed before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We'd rather people say this person is one of great uh, skill and, and, and uprightness and great wealth than be a person that is known for they are on fire for God. Boy, they'll always talk about Jesus or they're going to pray in tongues. They're one of those people. Thank God I pray in tongues. It's got me through a lot of hellish moments in my life. I thank the Lord for the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It has infused my life with something that is heavenly. Pride keeps people back. Paul was kicked out of the church because people did not like the fact that Paul was teaching that this baptism was for everybody. Surely there must be elitism. Surely there must be qualifications. Surely God won't just put His Spirit upon every single person that comes in and humbles Himself. Surely there's a qualifying factor, a wealth level, a social status, an education level. Surely there's something that God is looking for before He pours it out. But that is not the God that we serve. God will pour it out on every hungry vessel, every thirsty person that will humble themselves and say, God, I need you today. Amen. So, oftentimes, the people that are the hardest against the Holy Spirit and the move of God, they're not actually worldly people. The world is actually pretty open to the move of God. It's the religious people. It's the people that were taught not to accept the Spirit of God. Those are the ones that are the hardest hearts. Paul was kicked out of the synagogue because they did not want things to change. They did not want things to become available. Let me tell you something today. Religion still rears its head in the body of Christ. And it still rears its head in the Pentecostal world. Of people that harden their hearts to the move of God. Or people that get to this place where they're always chasing some fancy thing. Instead of realizing the Holy Spirit is not always fancy and flashy. Sometimes you just pray in tongues and it doesn't seem like that great of a moment. But it's something that is transpiring on the inside of you. 
If you're always chasing some fancy poof cloud, some glory cloud that arrives, some oil that shoots out of a hand, some diamond that pulls out of heaven, some feather that comes floating down, you're going to miss because Kenneth Hagin, and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. I've actually seen oil come out of hands. There's manifestations of the Spirit that will blow your ever-loving mind. But if you're chasing that and you're not realizing it's always been about a holy reverence to the Spirit of God. It's always been about Him having access to change and transform me and renew my mind. It's me being obedient to do what heaven tells me to do. Many people in the church aren't obedient because they don't even hear. And they don't even hear because they've hardened their hearts. And they look at people that do hear and call them weird. That was quick. Did you get all of that? <laughs> I would rather hear from heaven and be called weird than be a person that misses the plan of God because I listen to the opinion of some religious egghead that has cut themselves off from God's spirit. They label it as fan fanaticism. It's emotionalism. Well, you know what? The Bible says, Paul said in Corinthians, that I did not come in power and or I did not come in fancy words of man's wisdom, but in power and in demonstration of the Holy Spirit so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And in the Amplified, it says, it stirred within the hearers the most holy emotions. Think about when God got on your life, you did not sit there and not feel anything. When you met Jesus, you are like crying out, the love hits you, you're weeping, you're laughing, you're everything, you're like every great emotion comes at you. You're like, I trust you, you're awesome, I'm sorry, I'm a worm, you're good, what, uh, Tears are falling, snot's going. You don't even know where you're at. You don't know how you got in the altar call. You're like, I, I, why did I ever stand in front of people? This is not who I am. But something heavenly took place. And it marked you. Oh, it marked you. And even if you were walking out of there and some religious egghead told you that was fake, you know something happened. Could we get back to the encounters with God so that when people come to church, they actually meet the head of the church, who is Jesus Christ, and not the pastoral lineup and the fancy skinny jean people, which I love skinny jeans. You know, they're stretchy. They're comfortable. I can't wear jeans that aren't stretchy anymore. I don't know how you guys do it. If it ain't got a stretch, get on down the road. Boy wants to be able to move. But religion reviles the move of God and stands against it, slings mud at the church and calls them weird. You know, there was only one type of person that angered Christ. He was not mad at government leaders. He was not even mad at Pilate when Pilate just went ahead and let him go down the line. Jesus didn't get upset with any people except for religious people. Those were the people that pushed Christ's buttons where he got whips out and he started going to town. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to say that we're going to whip you, but, but we do train our ushers as certain. Third row right now. But Christ got upset with it. You know why Christ got upset with it? It's because these are the people that should know better. That's why he was so frustrated. He's like, you've let yourself be blinded by pride. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Everything that I came to bring, you're pushing away and treating it as though it's unholy and not needed. Everything God has is needed. 
You need the Holy Ghost. We need a church on fire. We need the move of God one more time in America. We need a great awakening to shake this land. Man will fail us, but the Holy Ghost will never fail you. Amen. Now listen, it starts out small. It started with 12 people. Six years ago, we started with 20 people in here. Some of them liked us. Many of them did not. And I don't say that as, as, as I liked them. I wasn't trying to push people out of the church by any means. When you have 20, you're trying to be like, come over. Let's break bread together. I know it comes already sliced now, but we can still fold the loaf in two. I'll give you the best pieces right in the center. I'll take the end pieces. Hey, together we will grow. And then they leave and you're like, half the church left. It was two people. I know. When a family of three leaves the church, you're like depressed for a month. My God, they took everybody. That was the ushers, the sound guy, and half the worship team. You're like literally trying not to offend anybody, you know. And the Holy Ghost wants to fill you. Unless you don't really want to be filled and then you could always just warm up to that. I mean, you're giving all these disclaimers and then somewhere along the way you're like, forget this, bro. Like I can't explain everything God does. If it weirds you out, come back next Sunday. He'll give you another chance. <laughs> I can promise you this. God has done things that blow, blew my mind. And I sat there and thought, but the overwhelming theme when God moves is if you're open to the Spirit, there's this understanding of it's holy. It's holy. It's holy. Somebody cries. Somebody laughs. Somebody runs. Somebody jumps up and down. Somebody screams. If somebody barks like a dog, it casts the devil out. Say, the Lord doesn't make me a guard dog in the spirit. He does not make you a guard dog in the spirit. No. Sorry, Bubba. Get out. There's weird things that go on in the charismatic world, people. And those are not all of God. Half of why people are scared of the move of God is because the devil brought in some weird junk and nobody had discernment to push it out. God ain't going to make you into a fruit loop. He's not going to make you into a weirdo. You're going to be just as cool as you've ever been. You can wear skinny jeans and sneakers. You can wear suits and ties. You can have your hair done up. You can have a mohawk. You can have a beard. You can have fresh shaved. You can be old. You can be young. You can be you 2.0. Infused with something that is greater than this world. And if you let the Lord use you, I promise you great things will happen. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.